the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, the East Palestine train derailment and its uh, political fallout remains one of the top stories, not just locally, but nationally, as we begin a Friday edition of the Bruce Woolley Show. Glad to have you along on 94.5 in Dayton and 98.9 in Columbus. Uh, we will have the latest, unfortunately, uh, murder in Columbus to tell you about. And we're going to talk about diversity today because, well, we have to talk about diversity today because the Biden administration is always, always talking about Diversity. In fact, they are uh, thinking of replacing Jerome Powell as head of the Fed with uh, someone who's very diverse. Um, that's, I guess, par for the course. But is it good for America? I bet you can guess which side of that issue I will fall upon. First, I want to talk about my evening last night. I had the opportunity last night to attend the ribbon cutting ceremony for what will be Columbus Classical Academy at 2000 Polaris Parkway. And I got to hear a gentleman speak. His name is Phil Schwenk. Phil Schwenk is a guy who was an educator in the city of Cleveland. And Phil Schwenk, not that it has anything to do with the price of eggs, uh, Phil Schwenk is African-American. So uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Mr. Schwenk uh, would not be considered someone that teachers' unions would listen to or educators would listen to, uh, even though he is African-American, which would get him in the door. But once he started talking, well, he'd be quickly shoved out the door uh, because he is a proponent of classical education. And if you don't know what classical education is, just you know, kind of do the rudimentary connecting of terms in your mind. Classical, if something's a classic, well, it means it's got some age on it, right? Like classic car, it's got some age on it. Uh, classical education, it's got some ed- it's got some age on it. There's really, as Bill Schwenk said last night, giving the keynote address. We're not doing anything new here. No, see, we've gotten to a point in our culture where we have confused uh, new with good, right? And I mean, we we are conditioned to this and have been ever since I was a kid. I remember uh, going down the what three, I think, aisles of. Thoman's IGA in West Liberty, Ohio, the only grocery store in town. And virtually every box, whether it was uh, a snack food or uh, laundry detergent, often had two magic words on the box. New and improved. New and improved, right? If it's new, it has to be improved. I mean, after all, you wouldn't change the formula. So it was new if it wasn't also improved. Well, that's true of consumer goods. Except new Coke. (laughs) But it's not true of institutions in our country, like education. We now have a bunch of new initiatives in education. 
they're definitely new. But they're not improved. This reminds me of the time the Cleveland Cavaliers changed their uniforms. They went from wine and gold uniforms to like this weird compilation of light blue, black, and orange. Ew. I don't remember those. Well, it's because they didn't last very long. I guess not. (laughs) And Mark Price, the uh, fantastic, in that era, point guard of the Cleveland Cavaliers, was asked, Hey, Mark, what do you think of our new uniforms? And he said, Well, they're new. In other words, there's not anything too great about them. Yeah. (laughs) So there's nothing great about new methods of education. In fact, there's uh, ample evidence to prove that they're not as good as old methods of education, and that was what Phil Schwenk was pointing out last night. And we'll get into more of that as the show goes on. But he said something else that I think really resonated with me, and I'd never heard it put this way before, but he said, friendships form around common questions. Friendships form around common questions. And I thought, well, that's interesting. But he was giving the view of how things used to be, not how the way things are now. And he went on to point out that it used to be that if you had a common question, it meant you had a common interest, right? Who's the best major league baseball team? Who's the best whatever? Your interest in something's excellence was formed around questions. Now we're at a point in our world where you have to not just have the same interest, you have to have the same view. Because if you don't have the same view, then we certainly cannot be friends. And you have to get back, we have to get back, to a point in our country where differing on views does not mean that you cannot speak to the other person because they're your enemy. And we see this around the East Palestine train derailment, right? Uh, There's a train derailment. People's home values are dramatically impacted. Their quality of life is dramatically impacted. In fact, their very ability to drink clean water and breathe clean air is impacted. And it has become a political issue more than a safety issue Because, quite frankly, the people who have the power to go in there and apply solutions really didn't care about it at all until they were shamed into caring about it by other people who had a political agenda. See, I would like to see us get to the point where the people in East Palestine are taken care of, whether it's a monetary settlement, whether it's remediation of toxic soil and water and streams and whatever, I would like to see us get to the point where we just worry mostly about the people rather than about the politics. But the politics actually have served a purpose in this situation because the politics are forcing people to care, uh, forcing powerful people to care about not powerful people. And that is why Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was in East Palestine yesterday because he's been shamed into it. Now, he... Uh, is one of these uh, ideologues, partisans, who does not form friendships around common questions. He is one of these guys who forms friendships only around common viewpoints because Pete Buttigieg really doesn't have much in common with the hardworking people of East Palestine. And Contrary to the way he portrays himself, neither does President Joe Biden. And the reason why they don't have anything in common, even though Biden loves to ride the train, so much so that he lies about how much he's ridden the train in his life. And Pete Buttigieg says, famously or infamously, 
that he loves trains. Neither Joe Biden nor Pete Buttigieg could get interested and were not interested in East Palestine until they started to suffer political damage for not caring about it. It took almost three weeks for the transportation secretary to show up at the site of a train derailment, the likes of which we haven't seen, not just in Ohio, but in our country in years. The people who care a lot, they say, about the climate and about the kind of air we're going to breathe in, what, 10 years? If we're still alive because of the coastlines vanishing and the polar ice caps melting. The people who care a lot about the quality of air and water and all that in Zambia and other nations, they didn't care about the quality of air and water like right here in the heartland of America until it started to exact a political toll. Uh, here is Pete Buttigieg's explanation yesterday for why it took him three weeks to get to East Palestine, Ohio. You know, what I tried to do was balance two things. My desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act, mm. and my desire to follow the norm of transportation secretaries, allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work. I'll do some thinking about uh, whether I got that balance right. He'll do some thinking about whether he got that balance right. How much more thinking would that require? Because pretty much everybody agrees he got that balance wrong. This seems to be a problem for Pete. He gets the balance wrong a lot. Remember the ships anchored off the coast of California, loaded with goods that couldn't get into port, while Pete was on maternity leave you say i didn't know pete's wife had a baby well pete's wife didn't have a baby pete's husband and pete adopted twins i'm sorry so close to lunch i'm sorry i made you throw up in your mouth a little bit maybe a lot right there when you contemplated that but he didn't strike the right balance then he was on maternity leave while that raged on and on and on and then we had the Instance which I actually forgot about. There have been so many failings of Pete Buttigieg as transportation secretary. We had the instance where, remember when we grounded all flights in America for like a couple of hours? He said, yeah, that was 9-11. No, we just did it like a couple weeks ago. We just did it. Like there was some like computer snafu or something on the watch of Pete Buttigieg. Did he face any kind of toll for that? No. Why not? You know, I'm not the only one who's asking that question. Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, was asking that question yesterday about Pete Buttigieg's failures. And he asked a question. What does Pete Buttigieg need to do to get fired? I actually have the answer to that. I can tell you what the answer to that is. And I will tell you what the answer is next on The Bruce Hooley Show. So Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg visited uh, East Palestine, Ohio yesterday, and he said what took him three weeks to get there was not that he rode his bike there, no, Uh, that uh, he was balancing uh, whether to get involved, and he cared so deeply about it that he didn't tweet a single thing. He just was racked with concern for the people in East Palestine, who 70% of them 
voted for Donald Trump. He was racked with concern, so much so that he could not get on Twitter and indicate his concern. Uh, he tried to, you know, distract himself with thoughts of the lack of Hispanic and black construction workers on bridge projects around the nation, but that didn't do it. And finally, he did tweet about uh, East Palestine. And finally, he did make it to East Palestine, which uh, struck Senator Ted Cruz as a little odd. Uh, going back through his mental Rolodex of the myriad failures of Pete Buttigieg on issues that should be his purview as transportation secretary. Ted Cruz asked a question yesterday on his podcast, and I am here for you, Senator Cruz. I will be happy to answer your question, but first I will let you ask it. Let me ask you a question. What in the hell does Pete Buttigieg have to do to get fired? Like, in the history of this country, has there ever been a transportation secretary who has screwed more things up in his first year in office, a supply chain crisis that impacted the entire country that made it hard to get basics and essentials. And in the middle of that supply chain crisis, Pete Buttigieg is on a extended paternity leave. So he's literally not even showing up to work. Most Americans have never even heard of supply chain crisis until the thing happened on Buttigieg's watch. That's how he started. Then you went on to almost have a major rail strike last year because he failed to step in and solve the problem at the outset. Then we had just recently the FAA screwed up with their NOTAM system, grounded every flight in America. The first time that has happened since September 11th because the FAA screwed up. By the way, we had a hearing on that last week in the Senate in the Commerce Committee where I'm the ranking member. Pete Buttigieg didn't show up. He sent the acting administrator of the FAA because there's no responsibility from the secretary. And now with East Palestine, how did Pete Buttigieg not get on the first plane after this this crisis happened to be there on the ground? Now, I let the senator list the whole. Well, I don't even think it's a comprehensive list, but just some of the failures of Pete Buttigieg. So you might have forgotten the question he asked. So I'll refresh your memory. Let me ask you a question. What in the hell does Pete Buttigieg have to do to get fired? All right, here's the answer. Here's the answer. What does Pete Buttigieg have to do to get fired? He has to become a heterosexual male uh, instead of a gay man. That's it. If he's white and he's heterosexual, boom, he's out, brother. He's out. But he's not. He's, he's able to overcome his whiteness with his, hetero, with his gayness, okay? If he were heterosexual... Boom, out of here, out of here, out of here. If you don't believe me, listen to Corinne Jean-Pierre, gay and black press secretary, talk yesterday about the wonderful array of people in the Biden administration. I want you to listen. I want you to listen for her to extol the competence of anyone in the cabinet. Remember, You're listening for her to talk about how competent someone is. I want to take the opportunity to to lay out uh, how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, The cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. Forty percent of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the president's are openly LGBTQ+. So, again, this is something that the president prides himself on, uh, that he actually has taken action to show uh, the diversity of this administration. 
Did anybody hear the word competence in there? Did anybody hear the, uh, you know, long list of accomplishments of anybody? They're diverse. Uh, they have a lot of people of color. Many of them are female. By the way, if you forgot, she said it again. Many of them are female. Forty uh, percent of them identify. Yeah, they identify as, as female. female. Yeah, right. I just want to make sure you quote I'll, her that's correctly. Right. I will get to that momentarily. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 40% of them are racially diverse. I don't know why that didn't fall under the umbrella of people of color earlier on. And then seven assistants are openly LGBTQ. Okay, so it's fine. We can have a difference of opinion. I said in the open, according to uh, a guy who I respect a lot, Phil Schwenk of Hillsdale College, who's at the opening yesterday of Columbus Classical Academy, uh, friendships form, or used to, around common questions. You don't have to think the same. So I don't want to not be friends with Corinne... Jean-Pierre or the Biden administration, just because they think differently. But let's review, shall we? How's the diversity working out for them? Well, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, first of all, uh, I think generally acknowledged as the worst press secretary in history. Uh, The guy they put in charge of nuclear waste, Sam Brinton, he's non-binary. So he'd score big points on the diversity scale. White guy, wears a dress, likes puppies. It's his puppy fetish. Sometimes men, sometimes women. He really likes women's luggage. We know that because he's facing felony charges for stealing women's luggage. And not only stealing their actual, like, you know, suitcase, but has been shown in photographs wearing the clothes of the people he stole. Which I say, what a stroke of luck that Sam Brinton stole, not only stole luggage, but stole the luggage of women so he could wear their clothes. Because, you know, if he stole my luggage and he got, like, Carhartts and flannel shirts, that would do him no good because then he would have to dress like the dude that he is, not like the strange person that he claims he is. Uh, Rachel Levine, head of the, well, first women's four-star admiral who happens to be a man. That's not working out uh, super well. So I would say that the whole diversity thing, oh, and then I left out. I left out the person at the most important person In the Biden administration, the most important person in any presidential administration is, of course, the vice president. Because, you know, if something happens to the president, then the vice president has to take over. Uh, Here's Kamala yesterday talking about a uh, favorite topic of hers from, uh, well, she often talks about it. I love Venn diagrams. Is Mm. there a Venn diagram for this? We're proud of our vice president. Oh, I'm sorry. That's another one. I got a little treat for you. That's 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 not. Here's Kamala yesterday talking about Venn diagrams. Think of it then in the con text of like I like to think about a lot of things in the context of a Venn diagram I love Venn diagrams Mm. always ask is there a Venn diagram for this I'm telling you it's fascinating when you do fascinating Venn diagrams Venn diagram is the uh, three circles they intersect each other Uh, she loves the Venn diagrams if you don't believe me uh, we'll have more about Kamala's love for Venn diagrams and you might remember yesterday I played a cut from Democratic strategist Celinda Lake talking about Kamala Harris and how fantastic she is being vice president. Like I say, I've got a little treat for you. It's coming up next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.